This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I am very happy that the Red Pill community is out there because it's yeah. a nice counterbalance to my profession. I agree. When I first heard about it, like most people, I think people hear about it from somebody spouting off about how you know women are terrible or something. So that was my understanding of what Red Pill was until I, I started talking to some of the guys in the space. And then I was like, oh, it's not about hating women at all. It's actually about understanding them better. Okay, yeah, no, I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> this, is actually, this is actually beneficial to guys. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. You should know what to do by now. Drop a comment below. Any comment will do. Your favorite emoji doesn't really matter. If you guys are watching during the live premiere on Mondays, uh, sound off in the live chat. You know, sometimes I'm in there while I'm editing videos. Probably not this week, though, because this week I'm in England. Okay? I'm in England with with Nurse Chick. Uh, I'm, I'm there hanging out with one of my 3% or a couple of my 3% brothers. Actually, I'm staying at 3% Brother Lewis's house. But uh, by this time, I've probably also seen Luke or whatever. Hopefully, I've seen Luke. And uh, we're having a good old time in in uh, in the UK. Um, and then I should be back Wednesday. Wednesday's live stream is going to be pre-recorded <laughs> because it's a travel day, so it's that one's going to be pre-recorded as well. Just an FYI. Follow me on social media. The links are in the description. If you guys do send super chats today, I get notifications of these during the 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 uh, pre-records. So if you send a super chat to support the show, I will take a screenshot of that and I will share it on social media to give you the proper recognition that you deserve. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I will give you a, a, a PDF with 20 dating app openers that are guaranteed to capture a woman's attention in the first seven words. On top of that, I'll send you stickers as well. We also have rule zero stickers with that all for free. The stickers are a bonus. It's kind of a fun little thing. People are sending me pictures of stickers on their fridges, on, on water bottles, on coffee mugs, back of laptops. I've seen them on people's cars now. So people are doing whatever they want with the stickers. It's just kind of a fun little thing, right? Just fun little thing to support the show all for free. And then if you like those designs, they're available as merch as well. This is not available as a sticker. This girl, you know I'm a bad boy, but it is available as a shirt and a hoodie and a t-shirt and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Go to merch.comeonmanpod.com for the merch. Check out my practical law of attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. It's a mindset course, you know, and once you get your mind right, everything else falls into place. Check out the beer club. It's only 10 bucks a month. You support the show that way. Plus you also get to join a group of like-minded guys. We have a telegram group that's pretty active. And then once a month we get together and have drinks, you know, and then talk about guy stuff it's, it's for men only. And uh, our next meetup is going to be September 28th. So get on the beer club guys. It's pretty popular. You can see all the guys on the beer club club at the end of these episodes, at the end of these Monday's episodes, I have the beer club credits. It's, we got a lot of guys in there. <laughs> Coaching's available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. You can, uh, there's two coaching options available, right? Two levels of coaching. Find whatever one works for you. 
uh, you'll be working with me directly, right? And um, I don't just do date coaching and relationship coaching, man. I do life coaching. One of my one of my longest uh, running clients. Uh, we almost never talk about girls, right? We talk about like his finances. We talk about, you know, planning for the future and, and stuff like that. So I help with that kind of stuff too. You know, if you're a young buck, you need some guidance on where to go in life. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a master, a certified master life coach. So check that out. And then if you just have a question that can be answered in a video, then uh, check that out as well, because I have an option uh, in, in there as well to sponsor a short video. That's pretty affordable. All right. Joining me this week, man, I am excited about this one, guys. I'm excited about this one. My guest this week is the legendary and very humble uh, Dr. Sean T. Smith. He, he told me not to call him doctor, though. He said, just call me Sean. <laughs> so you know, it's funny because I, I know doctors. I've met lots of doctors in my life. And, and the doctors that require you to call them doctor are fucking assholes. And uh, Dr. Smith, cool dude. Very down-to-earth guy. Very knowledgeable. His book is uh, The Practical Guide to Women, which he wrote several years ago. But man, what a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. It's, I, it's in the recommended uh, books in the, 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 you know, the red pill sidebar on Reddit. But I wouldn't classify Dr. Smith as a red pill guy per se, right? His book is very much on how to pick a good woman, right? Like, hey, is she mentally stable, <laughs> right? He tells you how to tell if a woman is mentally stable or not, right? He tells you all these keys to picking a good woman, a good woman that will support you and your mission. And, you know, I thought going into it, it was going to be a book on you know, how to protect yourself in a, in a marriage, you know, from divorce, you know, getting prenups and stuff like that. That's like the last chapter, because if you follow everything in his book, you shouldn't have to even need the last chapter, right? Because you've, you've been very selective in who you're going to settle down with at this point, you know, you've been a good picker, right? So, uh, so all that kind of stuff shows you how to test a woman's, uh, ability to be, you know, even be a contender for a long-term relationship. Great, great book. I can't, I, I highly recommend reading it. So Tactical Guide to Women, Dr. Shanti Smith, I will bring you that conversation right after these words. Here's a harsh truth that everybody gets upset about online when I say it. They get upset because of their ego investment into the fairy tale idea of love and partnership. They get upset because of their ego investment into the idea that their woman is their best friend, their confidant, and they think that love will conquer all and that their woman will be there through thick and thin. The truth is that as a man, your woman is hardwired biologically and psychologically to want you to be her rock. It doesn't work the other way around. Women do not care about your struggles as a man. They may think they care. They may even want to care but her evolutionary DNA will not let her care. If you bring her your problems, she will lose attraction for you over time and she will leave. Now, whenever I talk about this, people lose their minds and start talking about men unaliving themselves. The faster that men learn that women don't care about our struggles, the faster we'll save the lives of men. Men off themselves because of their own ego investments in the Disney fairy tale lie. And when that fairy tale goes up in flames, they get zeroed out and they end things. Men do need a proper outlet for dealing with their problems, but going to their woman 
isn't the answer. Men need a tribe. They need a brotherhood. That's why I created my beer club. It's a monthly virtual hangout for men only. It's a place where men can be men. It's a place where men can talk about guy stuff without having to worry about offending women. It's a place where they can go without having to worry about being called toxically masculine. It's a place where they can go to solve their problems. Because men solve problems, women cause problems, you dig? Visit beer.comeonmanpod.com. That's beer.comeonmanpod.com to sign up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, joining me today is the legendary and very humble Dr. Shanti Smith, author of books such as The Tactical Guide to Women, The Woman's Guide to How Men Think, The Practical Guide to Men, Surviving Aggressive People, and The User's Guide to the Human Mind. And I recently finished The Tactical Guide to Women and thought it was phenomenal. And I decided to reach out to Shanda uh, on Twitter to set this up. So how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. And thanks for having me on. And I really appreciate the, the kind thoughts about the book. Glad you found it useful. Yeah, it was it, it wasn't what I expected. Uh, just based on, you know, y- you hear about books and then uh, you sort of have these sort of preconceived ideas of what the book might be about. But when I read it, I was like, oh, this is great. This is not ex- <laughs> this is not what I thought it was at all. I thought it was going to be some kind of just based on the title of it, it almost sounds like almost very MGTOW and you got to protect your assets. And no, it's like it's a book about how to properly vet women so you can have a healthy relationship. And then you don't have to worry about the, there's like there is a chapter on asset protection. But it's like if you followed all these steps up here, like that's less of a concern, you know. Yeah, so hopefully. I just I, I just thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I appreciate that. So. So you're pretty well known in the men's space. And I think I, I first added a tactical guide to women to my list a couple of years ago after reading Rich Cooper's book. But for people not familiar with you and your background, and uh, how, how did you find your way into the space? That's a really good question. How did I find my way in? You know, it started a long time ago. I've been a clinical psychologist in private practice for going on 16, 17 years now. And I started off working primarily with anxiety disorders and also a little bit with couples. And, um, you know, anxiety disorders bring in all, there's, there's really no such thing as an anxiety disorder in, in and of itself. It always brings in something else with it. It's sort of like a fever, you know, there's a fever doesn't really mean anything. It, it, it's a symbol of, it's a symptom, symbol of something else usually. So a lot of times relationships would come up and I worked with a lot of guys because I'm a guy and we're kind of in short supply in my field. So I worked with a lot of guys dealing with anxiety disorders and whatever else came with those. And early on, when I, when I started noticing how much of the relationships we were talking about with women, I started asking guys, who taught you how to pick women? Who taught you what makes a good relationship? And can you guess what the answer was consistently? Uh, I'm guessing parents, uh, dad, or no one, it's no or nobody. One. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's no one. They, they just have examples to follow so they can. And that's what we usually do. We follow the examples of, of our fathers and our mothers and, but nobody like sits down and, and talks to guys about it. Here's what a sane woman looks like. 
Here's what here's, <laughs> yeah. right. So I started, you know, I spent probably the next 10 years really looking at this question. And as I was working with couples, I was looking at the question of, okay, what makes a relationship work? Because we all want to talk about red flags and red flags are kind of interesting and everybody's got their theories on red flags, but it's, it's red flags only take you so far. You know, if you go to the shooting range, everything is off limits. You're not supposed to shoot the chair, chair. You're not supposed to shoot the cash register. You're not supposed to shoot the lights. You're supposed to shoot the target, but knowing what not to shoot is not enough to get you there. You have to know how to hit the target. And that's the question I really looked at is, can I find a way to um, talk about what makes a woman in particular, in particular, minimally competent to participate in a grown-up romantic relationship? And that's what led to the Tactical Guide to Women. Got it. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the subject about red flags... I, uh, every once in a while I'll do like a podcast on it just because it's excellent clickbait. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's excellent clickbait. But the fact is red flags are subjective, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in the space that are like, Oh, tattoos on a, on a woman. That's a, that's a deal breaker. It's like, I like tattoos. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, that's not a deal. That's not a red flag for me necessarily, you know? So yeah, that, that, that it's always an interesting topic. I do have questions about red flags. Uh, my, my, uh, I have a men's group that I run and a couple of the guys had some questions in there. One of them has a question on red flags. So we'll, we'll get to that, but you're in Denver and, uh, and you went to the university of Denver. Did you grow up in Colorado? I did. Yeah. I grew up in Denver and, um, North of Denver, there's a industrial area called Commerce City. And my father had a bar there. He bought it when I was nine. He sold it when I was 15. So I spent my nights and weekends working in this bar. And it was a wonderful experience. If you can arrange to have your childhood in a bar, I highly recommend it. And um, so, so that's, that's really where I got my interest in psychology. It's just watching all these adults around me. Yeah. You know, speaking of bars, I mean, that's where a lot of guys go for therapy, isn't it? They, they, they go and talk to the bartender. Um, that's great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm from, I'm a Colorado guy myself. You know, I went to, I grew up in, in Conifer and went to Evergreen high school. So, okay. Yeah. That's right there, up the street. Yeah. There's, there's not a, there's not, a, not a lot of us in the space from, from Colorado. So it's, it's, it's always interesting when, when someone's local, you know, and I have to ask if you don't mind, what's the Genesis of the name come on man podcast. Are you familiar with Corey Wayne? I, I know of him. I, his book is on my list to read. I just have never gotten to it yet. Yeah. So his first book is one of the, one of the first books that I read in the space, uh, his, how, the, how to be a 3% man book. Mm -hmm. And that book was life-changing for me. You know, I, I like he, he, he tells you in the book to read it 10 to 15 times, you know, because we only retain 10% of what we read or something. So I did, I, I sat down, read it as I was reading, it. I would go out and practice and found myself just not just getting better with women, but just getting better in all areas of my life is, is just mm -hmm. a very trans transformative book. So I, uh, as a part of that, I joined a men's group on Facebook called the 3% man group. And, and we were all just, you know, sort of students of the book. And out of that group, I, I started the podcast and Corey's he's, he's always says, uh, when guys call in and say something stupid, he's always like, come on, man. So I named the podcast, <laughs> the come on man podcast, you know, sort That's of as name. a hat tip has yeah. a hat tip to him. So, uh, so now I've seen, I've seen some tweets from you that are, uh, and we were sort of talked about this a little bit offline, but, uh, I've seen some tweets from you that are a little critical of red pill. 
which I found interesting because your book is one of the sidebar recommendations from the Red Pill community on Reddit. And I, I was just curious, like, what uh, what's your problem with, with the Red Pill community as a whole? Because I have my own problems with it. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm just curious what yours are. As a whole, I think it's great. And I think that um, part of the reason the Red Pill community exists is because my profession of psychology has so miserably let men down especially when it comes to understanding relationships and women. I mean, my profession has just failed. I don't want to overstate it, but the (laughs) the red pill exists because guys want to talk about these things. They want to figure out these things, and I'm glad that it's out there. Now, there are some, anytime you have a a group of ideas that are crowdsourced like that, like like psychological literature, you know, anytime you have some sort of gathering of ideas is going to be stuff you agree with and stuff that, that you don't agree with. Sure. Um, if I have a problem with the red pill community proper, it's that there's not a lot of room for discussion, which really sucks for the red pill. Cause that means the red pill can't grow like it should. It can't adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense. One of my, one of my beefs with it is, uh, so, I mean, and I'm friends with this guy, right? Like, uh, Ryan stone, Ryan stone wrote this book, uh, praxeology frame. And one of the things that there he talks about is how, uh, you, you got to go to the gym, you got to go to the gym. And I, and I do agree with that to an extent, but one of the things that, you know, a lot of the red pill guys say is, uh, it's lifting heavy, forget about cardio, forget about all that stuff that, you know, there's, that's not good for you. And, and I'm like, but, but I like running, you know, come on. Like th- I think it, you guys get so focused on, on, on one thing that you, you you sort of neglect any other possible options that are just as viable, you know? So that's my only gripe with it. And you're right. There, there's a, there's a lot of hard nosed uh, people in the space where they, they, they can, they only see black and white and it's like, no, nah, there's, there's some gray area to some of this, you know? Sure. So, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I just, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I saw one, one day um, and I think it was Ryan that actually like, sort of brought my attention to your tweet on it. And he was like, I don't understand what's going on with this guy. Cause his, his book is in the red pills, you know, sidebar. And I'm like, he's got his opinions too. I mean, like, I, <laughs> I wonder what it was. I don't really, this was like three months ago. I don't yeah, even okay. remember exactly yeah. what it was, but, uh, but I just remember, I specifically, I specifically remember him going, I don't know what's, what's, what's going on with, with, uh, you know, Dr. Smith, because his book is in our sidebar, you know? And so, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really when, matter, but when I disagree with something, I'm, I'm pretty careful and it's just sort of my natural tendencies. I'll disagree with ideas. I don't really go after people. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and there are some ideas that, that are worth questioning. You know, for example, ovulatory shift theory is a big piece of the red pill. The mm. people who came up with ovulatory shift theory years ago, have been looking at it for years and they've decided, you know what, this really doesn't, we really can't find evidence that this has any effect on behavior. Mm. And if the red pill were agile and if it were, when I say the red pill, I guess I'm talking about the community. If they were agile and if they were welcoming to ideas and willing to grow, they would have read what the originators of the ideas have said after having gone out and tried to measure it and not Mm -hmm. find any effect. And they would say, okay, well, let's rethink this because obviously the red pill guys are onto something. But yeah. if they're not willing to look at something fundamental like that and say, well, the data is coming in and it doesn't match what we're seeing in our personal lives. Yeah. So there's a conflict there. So let's figure out what the conflict is between our personal lives and what these guys are finding out there in the, in the field. Yeah. I, I, honestly, that's what 
that we're they're supposed to be doing. That's what the whole praxeology is supposed to be. Like if when new information comes in, we're supposed to update our, our, our knowledge base. But yeah, I think there's a lot of guys are just sort they have that ego investment in, in their idea of, of, you know, what they read first, I guess, maybe. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But well, I'll just wrap this up by saying that I am very happy that the red pill community is out there because it's yeah. a nice counterbalance to my profession. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, when I first, when I first heard about it, like most people, I think most people hear about it from, somebody spouting off about how, you know, women are terrible or something, you know? And, and so that was my understanding of what red pill was until I, I started talking to some of the guys in the space. And then I was like, Oh, it's not about hating women at all. It's actually about understanding them better. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> this is actually, this is actually beneficial to guys. Um, so going back to your, going back to your books here, um, you have two dedicated to helping women better understand men. Do you think it's harder for, because like, now this is why I come up with this question, because you have two books for women and, you know, the one book for men on, uh, on the tactical guide. So I was wondering, do you think it's harder for women to understand men? Um, is it, is it, let's see, more than it is for men to understand women? Is it harder for women to understand men more than it is for men to understand women? Do you think in your personal that's practice. A really interesting question. I, I had to think on that one for a minute. And I can, I can think about my own profession. I think that my own profession is um, more interested in understanding the female perspective than the male perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that, that I think that comes out in fairly obvious ways and not obvious ways. It comes out with like the, the APA came out with their guidelines for working with boys and men back in 2019. And it, it was, it sounds like it was written by a bunch of guys who'd never met a man in their life. You know? mm. and so in my profession, I think that when you, when you have the clinical side of the profession versus the research side, the clinical side, I think just reflects the basic human tendency to protect women first. That's not good or bad. You know, I'm not whining about that. That's just sort of how we are. We protect women first and, and men are the more expendable side of the side of the equation. Mm -hmm. And so that shows up in the clinic that shows in the work of, of like people like John Gottman. It's a great guy. You know, I like his work, but it's very much geared toward understanding, approaching relationships the way women think. And so to your question, is it harder for men to understand women or the other? I don't think it's necessarily harder. I think there's more probably of an, of an investment at an institutional level in understanding women more than men. Mm. Got it. Okay. Yeah, there, I man, I had a I had a gal on my podcast, man, a couple of months ago. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's she's getting pretty big in the space. Her name is uh, Sarah Don Moore, and she said when she first started, like her journey to try to better understand men, she had a hard time finding books on on understanding men because most of the books are are written uh, about about women and from, yes. you know. So that was one thing that she noticed with that. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned. I'll just throw this in real quick that um, I'm on a listserv for, for psychologists here in Denver. And mm -hmm. somebody put the, the question out recently on this listserv. It said he had a client, a female client, that was looking for books that would help her understand men. And she couldn't find it. It was the exact same question. She could not find books that helped her understand men. And so other psychologists and, and a lot of women in my, my profession, they were throwing out books that are for and about women. Mm -hmm. Almost nobody was th throwing out besides me. I threw some titles out. No one was did you throw out your own titles? I hope you did. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, I threw yeah. out one of mine. But there, there are better books than mine. Um, you know, I th this woman was looking 
for some explanations for her experience with men. So mm. naturally, um, normal Mr. Nice Guy. That's going to explain a lot of behavior, not all the behavior, but it's going to explain a lot of the behavior she has received from men that didn't seem to make sense. And then there's yeah. things like The Way of Men like by Jack Donovan, and uh, I threw out a couple others. But um, yeah, it, it's hard to come by books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, my girlfriend uh, following my stuff in the space, she knows all the guys, the, all the guys books that I, you know, that I read, you know, about, about women, um, you know, sort of red pill sort of books and books on game and stuff. But she struggled to find a book on, on how women could better understand men and, and have better relationships. And so we finally found one. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it was really good. It was about, uh, you know, I signed, I assigned it to her. It, it was a written in story format and, um, man, I wish I could remember the title, but it was a, it, the story is this old lady is sort of coaching this young gal on how men operate. And they, uh, she talks about different stages of men's lives, you know, and it, and, and she talks about it as, uh, you know, they're, they start off as, uh, I can't remember, like little squires or something. And then they're, they're, they're knights and then they're princes and then they're kings and then they're, you know, an, you know, elder or something like that. And, and understanding where guys are at different stages of their life, you know, actually make helped my girlfriend understand where, you know, where her dad is right now, like where, where I'm at. And, um, she was like, Oh, this is a light bulbs are going off all over the place here. So, uh, there are books out there, but they're hard to find for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so one, one of the things from tactical guide to women that really stood out to me was your bright triad traits. And, um, in the red pill, there seems to be a focus on the dark triad traits, uh, you know, narcissism, narcissism, psychopathy, Machiavellianism, because embodying those traits tends to attract women. You know, sometimes it attracts the wrong women, I think, but, uh, now guys who want to attract good women, um, you know, a woman who's a candidate for an LTR, they should be looking for women who possess the bright triad traits. Can you give us the cliff notes on, on what the bright triad traits are? Sure. Yeah. I think I wrote about, um, clarity, maturity, and stability. Those are my, my bright triads, things to look for in women. So maturity, let's talk about maturity real quick. Um, just, I, I talk about basic signs of emotional maturity, like the ability, I forget exactly what I said in the book, because it's, it's been six years now that book that I wrote that, that book, um, but the ability to have an argument in, in mm -hmm. a constructive way, the ability to handle hardships, the ability to have a little resilience in, in the face of life's difficulties, because if you bring this woman into your life and she's frail and she's falling apart all the time, well, guess what that does to your life and your plans and your purpose? It's, it's not a good effect. So emotional maturity, just being able to handle things basically. Um, talked about clarity, which in that I talked a lot about communication. And one of the things that, that is actually really useful for a woman to be able to do is to be able to articulate her needs and to be able to say, this is what I want right now. And that's kind of uncomfortable for a lot of guys. Guys will get into relationships with a woman who is very self-effacing and self-sacrificing and she won't speak up for herself. And that feels wonderful because she's very accommodating until she isn't. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen this pattern many times in my office where a woman goes through life or goes through her marriage or her relationship with this guy, sacrificing her interest and, and really putting herself on the line for him and not asking anything in return. And then one day she's resentful and she's mm -hmm. past the point of no return. And it's a really good quality for the, a woman to be able to have the clarity to 
identify what she wants, to be able to ask for it in a grown-up way, the, the clarity to be inquisitive about what's going on with you. This is another quality that's really useful. It's just having some inquisitiveness about what's going on with, with your man. Um, and men should have this inquisitiveness too. So that sort of falls into the category of, of clarity. And then stability. I talk quite a bit, you know, a real basic pricey, pricey, how do you say that word? Uh, a real basic rundown mm -hmm. on mental health. And my basic thesis there is that perfection is not the thing to look for. In fact, a, 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 in terms of mental health, you don't want somebody who's never struggled with anything because then they're an unknown quantity. You want somebody who's bumped up against life a little bit. Maybe they've struggled with some problems, but their pattern says that they face the problems and they, they take them on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I hear men complain about a lot is, well, women don't, women never take responsibility. Well, you're hanging out with the wrong women because there are women out there. Some women do, yeah. Yes, there are women out there who are invested in their own mental health. That's why there's shelves and shelves of books at the bookstore for women about how to improve their lives because they are interested in, in taking accountability and, and having some responsibility. So in terms of, of um, stability, that's really about mental health. And it's about finding someone who whatever demons she has, she has tackled them or she is tackling them. And that's her pattern in life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a, uh, I have a, you know, a gal acquaintance in uh, the, the, the space. She more, she more sort of coaches women though, but, uh, I like to have her on the podcast every once in a while as sort of a sounding board for different ideas and stuff. She's, she's a, a, a cool person. And every once in a while, you know, like a lot of us on social media, we're sort of loud mouth, you know, sort of, it sort of, gets clicks on over to our channel so we can actually go into depth on some of this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things I was talking about was, uh, women with daddy issues, right? That's, that's a fun thing to talk about. And, uh, and one thing she, she, she mentioned in the comments one time, she goes, you know, you really should say unresolved daddy issues because women might have daddy issues, but if they've done the work and worked on it and they've resolved those issues, it's not an issue anymore. And I was like, yeah, you make actually a good point. Yeah, that is a <laughs> good know? point. I'd never thought of that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, oh, fair enough. And then what you were saying about uh, maturity, about how women will, uh, you know, sacrifice themselves until until it gets to a point where they're now they're resentful. And I've given my whole life to this guy and he hasn't given me anything and they haven't been able to articulate their needs. Man, that goes back to, to Dr. Robert Glover's uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy because guys do the same thing with their mm -hmm. covert contracts. They do all this nice guy behavior expecting something. And then when they don't get it, they're mad at, at the girl. Like, I did all the stuff for you. At least you could do is put out, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've recommended that book to, to women and they found it very useful because women fall into that nice guy pattern too. So I think it's a little different for women. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I could really articulate the differences, but yeah, yeah they, they fall into that pattern. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of, I found there's a lot of similarities, but it's similar for different reasons, you yeah. know? Um, that's like, man, a classic book, but it was sort of more written towards for women, I think, was, uh, uh, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And, mm -hmm. and the only thing I took out of that book was that men and women both don't like unsolicited advice, but because for different reasons, like women want to just want you to listen and guys don't want you stepping on their manhood, you know, like, but it's, it's they, they they don't want this. They don't like the same thing, but yeah, it's just for yeah. different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So such an interesting title for a book, tactical guide for women. 
so when I uh, we talked about this offline, but when I when I first heard the name, you know, my first thoughts was that it was a, it was a book on like asset protection in case of divorce, right? And imagine my shock when that was only a small chapter at the end of the book, and right, the rest of the book really is about how to be a better selector of women. Um, how did you come up with the title? Because it really it really is a risk management book. It's and the subtitle is what is the subtitle? Um, how men can manage risk in dating and marriage. You can't eliminate risk. And a lot of guys are looking to eliminate risk. And I, I don't know what to tell those guys, you know, there, there's risk whether you're in a relationship or not. In fact, there, there are specific risks associated with isolation that have to do with your physical health. And, and you know, I can describe that later if you want, but there is no eliminating risk. There's managing risk. And one of the best ways to manage risk with women and protect your future, your children, your family down the road, your assets, your retirement is to invite the right women into your life and, and say goodbye to the wrong ones. Mm. Yeah. Let's, t let's talk about the isolation risk. Cause there's a, man, there's a whole slew of, of negative, uh, uh, negative guys in the space, we like to call them black pillars or doomers or MGTOW guys. Uh, they, they like to, to put their content out there under the banner of red pill though, which makes us all look bad because sure. usually all they're doing is, is crapping on women and talking about how, you know, we're dealing with women, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze and all that kind of stuff, which is like, to me, I'm just like, man, like I just, I, I cannot fathom having that kind of, quitting mentality on something, you know, I'm like, how do we win? How, how do we <laughs> like a tactical, right? I'm like, how, okay, what, what's the strategies needed to win this game? Uh, but a lot of guys are just like, I just want, I don't want to play. I, I give yeah. up. There are so, some guys that give up and there are some guys that are just so beaten down or they have been, um, you know, as, as so many guys in the red pool will, will point out, they have just been devastated by the family court system. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, guys are hurting out there. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of get it, but I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I tend to bounce back and say, all right, how do we beat this situation? Yeah. So, so what are the dangers of like isolation? Like a guy that decides, okay, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be a hermit in the woods and go live in a cabin and actually go my own way and not just complain about women on the internet, but I'm going to go my own way and live in a cabin in the woods somewhere away from everybody. Yeah. A couple, couple studies that I've come across lately. And I always uh, qualify my study. When I describe a study, I talk about the fact that they're measuring very small effect sizes at the margins. You know, it's, you can't take what you read from a study and then extrapolate it to your life. And th the study may be contradicted down the road, but the studies that I've, I've looked at recently, because I was working on another book, um, they, they seem to be pretty well constructed. So there are some risks with isolation. Like one is, uh, has to do with Okay, there was a, a study out of Israel where they looked at all-cause mortality, meaning that in, what is it that kills guys from heart attacks to, to dementia to whatever, and all-cause mortality among single and divorced men was higher than married men, and, and I would guess, they didn't say this, but I would guess that it's happily married men. I think there's a huge difference between a married man and a happily married man, but we'll just say married man. I'm going to call it happy, happily married man, but it was on par with smoking. The effect size was the effect size of being divorced or unmarried for these guys that they were looking at in Israel, in Israel was on par with a lifetime of smoking. Mm. It's, it's a big effect size. And I'm a little skeptical that it's that big, but that's, that's what they found. Another one 
had to do, it was in the U.S., it had to do with dementia and looking at uh, the increased risk of dementia if you're unmarried. And, and the, that study, I believe, looked at, no, I'm confusing my two studies. Okay, so there was one about dementia. There was another one that had to do with cancer. And this was a domestic study as well. And this is one I was thinking of just a second ago where they were looking at men who are married. And again, I'm going to say there's probably men who are happily married because if you've met an unhappily married man, you know, it takes years off his life. And yeah, he no wishes study. he was dead. Yeah. yeah. There's no I was studies there. for that, but we yeah. know. <laughs> right, so, you know, yeah, you know, first yeah, time we've all, even if you haven't been there personally, we know guys yeah. who are unhappily married and they're overweight. They're unhappy. They're probably turning to pot or alcohol. You know, it's just a miserable existence, but so let's say they're happily married guys and the effects in terms of cancer prevention was better than chemo. So mm. if you're, if you're married and they compared it to people who had roommates, roommates didn't have the same effect. Mm -hmm. um, live in significant others had, had a similar effect. So, you, mm. you know, if you had a, someone who isn't your wife, but you're, you're, you're basically married, had the same protective effect against cancer. So when guys sign off women, they're not signing off risk. And I get why some guys sign off women entirely, and I'm not critical of it, but mm -hmm. I think they're not seeing that they're, I think they think they're eliminating risk and really they're just signing up for different risks and the risk that come with the wrong kind of relationship are really obvious because we talk about them all the time, but the risks that come with no relationship are invisible and they sneak up on you 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's why I think this book is is so good, and why uh, why I liked it so much though is because, man, guys are just terrible at picking women. You know, they and I and I'm guilty of this in my past before I even thought about this stuff. Yeah, like you most guys, growth brother, I've, I've made yeah. some bad choices. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of us uh, we go out dating. We uh, we see a girl that we, that's cute. We go to talk to her. If she shows the slightest bit of interest, we go all in. And we just overlook all the problems because we're like, oh, no, no, it's like I, I can save her. I can save her. And then you just you just make one bad decision after another instead of uh, one thing that I, I practice and what I, I talk about on the podcast a lot is sitting down and just figuring out what you really want in a relationship and then going out and, and date multiple women to see if they check those boxes or not, if mm -hmm. they don't, if they don't check all your must haves, well, they're not a good candidate. They're just not, you can spin them as plates and have fun with them, but you can't have a, a serious long-term relationship with someone that doesn't check all your boxes. That's going to make you happy. And if you're just patient enough with it, you'll, you'll eventually find a gal that checks a, a majority of your boxes, you know, they're not, there's no perfect woman out there, but you know, you'll find ones that are much better than others. And instead of trying to fit a girl into your bucket, you, you actually just go out and find a, find girls that naturally fit in there. And, uh, most guys just don't, don't know how to do that. And no, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. And I think most guys, this is just how we're raised. We have a really ass backwards way of thinking about who we're going to pick and what we do is we follow our genes and, and our hormones and we look out and we, f we find the most attractive women and mm -hmm. we go after her rather than, and we reject others in the process, <laughs> right? Rather than saying, okay, who are, the, who are the candidates out there that fit within my world? And then let me find the most attractive within that small pool of women. So you yeah. become the, the choosy one as well. Women should be choosy, men should be choosy too. We're not choosy enough. 
Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that if once guys start being more choosier and not settling, uh, they're just, they'll find better, better women that are a good fit for them. You know, I have, yeah, I've seen this in my office and, um, where a guy will, you know, has this mentality that, that we're talking about where you just take what you can get, right? Whatever comes my way, I'll take it. If she has sex with me and she talks to me and she's reasonably cute and I can, I can tolerate her, then that's good enough. You know, that yeah. ass backwards way of approaching women. And I have seen guys who, who've decided, and I've worked with many guys who've decided, you know, okay, okay, I'm going to, going to upgrade my standards. I'm going to step away from this pattern that I grew up with, this relationship pattern that I was shown by my parents or whatever else. And then I started reenacting and I'm going to step away from that and I'm going to raise my standards. And, and what happens usually is at first it's real discouraging because it's sort of like when you're recovering from alcohol, you have to say goodbye to your old friends. You, you mm -hmm. have to say goodbye to those associates because they're going to they may be wonderful people. They're going to drag you down again. And once these guys decide, okay, I, I, recognize the women that I want to be with, but shouldn't be with. And I'm going to start partitioning them off. They're off limits from now on. I'm going to avoid even talking to them. If I can, if I have to work with them or something, I'll make work, I'll make it do. But otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye to these women. And we, once a guy identifies the kind of girl that he's attracted to, but shouldn't be with, like we all know, we all know who's bad for us. So once they mm -hmm. say goodbye to those people, then suddenly there's a drought. Like who do you talk to? Because mm -hmm. now the people that you that you connect with, the women that you connect with, they're off limits. So you're you're out here drifting all alone. But after that drought, something seems to happen where they start interacting with other women that they may have written off before, that may have they may have thought were too good for them or, mm -hmm. or you know, whatever. Suddenly now new options start to open up and they start to see that there's this whole world of women out there and they don't have to go for the one that the ones that fuck up their lives. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I, I tell guys is, uh, man, you really want to go and test for interest, test for a woman's interest in you and uh, spend your time with women that have high interest. And you'll find that a, a woman that's maybe a seven a seven on the uh, beauty scale with extremely high interest will be such a joy to be around. Whereas you're banging on this closed door of a 10 that, you know, it's showing you maybe mediocre or lukewarm interest. And then you're just getting frustrated with dealing with her yeah. because she doesn't like you. That's what, that's the thing. This chick over here likes you and she'll treat you like an absolute King, you know? Yeah. So there's it, gotta be some physical attraction there, but knockouts yeah. are overrated on both sides. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I say that too, and, and my girlfriend's really attractive, you know, it, but the thing is, is, uh, when I, you know, she's, she's on her own journey, right? Like you were talking about before a woman that has, has been through her own stuff and has done the work to fix herself. Uh, man, it's like, it's, it's a real joy because she is putting in so much effort, uh, not just in the relationship, but in herself, mm -hmm. To, to make herself the absolute best version of herself. It's, it's actually really, uh, a, you know, attractive just in that, you know, just in that, but she's, she does like fitness competitions and stuff now. And she's just, she's just an absolute joy, but she wasn't always this, you know, perfect 10, <laughs> you know, she put some, she put some work in to, to get there. And just the journey of that by itself is, is fascinating to me. Yeah. And I, I love that you put that message out there because the, some guys, you know, a lot of guys out there are so discouraged about women because they're only seeing the women that bring drama and chaos. And they're not mm -hmm. seeing that there are women like, like yours out there that are actually invested in life and, and 
you know, want to have a good time and, and yeah. live a good life. Yeah. Well, that's, so I have a, I don't know what your, your, your thoughts are on this. Uh, it's funny. I asked, so I had, I had, I had Dr. Robert Glover on the podcast once and I asked him his thoughts on this because he has a, his second book, uh, dating essentials for men. He, he has a lot of stuff in there that sort of resonates with me as like a law of attraction type stuff. And when I asked him, I was like, are you a law of attraction guy? He goes, no, nah, I think it's bullshit. <laughs> right. And, and so, but I have a law of attraction course, but I break it down into like the psychological answer to that. Right. Which is really just reprogramming your paradigm, you know, and uh, reticular activating system and stuff. A lot of guys only see trash women because that's all they're focused on. That's all they and know. yeah, that's we all they know. Patterns. Right. And so there's, there's women out like all around them that have, that are great women, that they just don't see them because they're so focused on these trash women that once you start putting down on paper, like what you're looking for and you're focused on that, all of a sudden these chicks will start popping out of, out of nowhere. And it's not because it's magic and that they're just materializing because the universe or whatever It's because now you notice them, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, now, yeah. now and, you're focused and now on they them. notice you because you're carrying yourself yeah. differently. And now you've got a little bit of discernment and, uh, you know, people respond to that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it took me, it took me a while to figure that out myself because I, I was like, uh, you know, one of those captain save a ho types, you know, I was always, I'll, I'll rescue her. I, I'll, I'll, I'll swoop in and fix all of her problems. And, and when mm -hmm. I stopped doing that and started, uh, really just focusing on, this is what I, I must have. I started seeing more women that started checking more of those boxes for me. It was like, it was like magic, but it wasn't magic. You know? Right. Yeah. So you started noticing women that would, would you say, don't let me put words in your mouth. This is a question, not, not a suggestion. Would you say that after you made that transition, you noticed women that previously you would have somehow written off mentally? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've heard other guys say it too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, uh, one thing that, uh, one thing I also teach, uh, guys on my show, which is, I think, I think I might be the only guy out there talking about this, but guys get so frustrated because they go on these, uh, catfish dates, you know, like, cause like most people are dating from dating apps now. And so there's all these women out there that have pictures that, you know, don't really represent who they really are in person. And so you show up on a date and a lot of guys just, you know, they'll, they'll tell these women off. They got to hold these women accountable or whatever, or they, you know, they turn around and walk out and then they're mad and they're, they're, they're upset the situation, their night's ruined and whatever. And I'm like, don't do that. It's, you know, just use it for practice. Just go out there. It's just a drink, you know, like a drink is what? 10 bucks, 20 bucks, maybe. Um, it, and just practice your body language, practice your social skills, practice bantering and yeah. then you know after after one drink be like you know i gotta it's it's an early night it was it was nice meeting you best of luck in your dating and and leave but but that practice time is better is is better time spent than driving out to a venue getting mad and turning around and going home like that's an absolute waste of time yeah so uh that by itself and changing my mindset about catfish dates even made dating so much more enjoyable for me yeah. And I suppose even if it was a catfish date, maybe you got a little connection with another human being, learn something interesting. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like I've, I found uh, at, at the very least it was it, it's just fun talking to new people and uh, 
breaking out of my shell and being more social. So just that by itself, it, it made the evening totally worthwhile for me, even though it, you know, it didn't go anywhere. And, you know, I never call these girls again and stuff like that, but it was good practice. And then the next date I went on, if it was a really attractive woman, well, I, now I've just had some, I've had some practice and I've got some muscle memory now, and now I don't have to think about this so hard. And it just made every dating a little more effortless, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like we're, we're talking here about not coming from a place of desperation with women. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you, yeah. Once, uh, once I started figuring that out, it was, uh, yeah, it was just like, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, a lot of guys and I, and I, I'm guilty of this myself, but you have the scarcity mindset, like, oh, there's, there's just not that many women out there. And, you know, but once you stop doing that and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to close on all these dates and I'm going to go out on all of them. And, uh, you know, if, if something happens, cool, if not, cool. You know, it's like you let go of that attachment to outcome thing. And that, that's what, that was a real turning point for me too. Yeah. I think knowing, knowing in your heart that you're going to be okay, no matter what happens tonight, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to get through it. Yeah. Life yeah. Will go on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was looking at your website, uh, ironshrink.com and I found an interesting article, which ties in well with your, your legal protection chapter in your book and your article was titled, and I think this was from last year, honestly, but uh, your article was titled, uh, nothing says I love you like a prenup. Can you give us like Cliff's notes on your ideas of, of why prenups are, are important and actually a loving thing to do? Yeah. And this is not my idea. This came from a, a rabbi that I heard talking. He was talking about, uh, he's talking about the value of divorce mm. and the fact that when divorce is not a possibility as it is in some places, that suddenly now the the incentive to act like a grown-up diminishes. Whereas if divorce is a possibility, then everybody's incentivized to to try to be in their on their best behavior. Now one of the mm. problems, obviously in in our society, and this is improving, guys should guys need to acknowledge that this is improving. But um, one of the problems is that the incentive is not equally shared. The yeah. incentive to stay married, men have more of an incentive to stay married than mm-hmm. women do because we're going to have a better, they're going to have a better time on balance in family court. And as I said, this is improving like uh, Florida just recently got rid of lifetime alimony. Hallelujah. Right. That's an improvement. Yeah. So we should acknowledge that, but still. Oh, I also heard that they just, uh, they're trying to push a bill that, that makes uh, 50, 50 custody the mm-hmm. default now too, which yeah. I think is phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the men's rights activists are, they're out there doing good things. And the men's rights activists, you know, the real ones are the, the lawyers and so forth that are working behind the scenes. You know, they're not the, the ones that are making a bunch of noise on Twitter impotently. <laughs> they're, they're doing yeah. things. They're actually making things happen. So yeah. anyway, regardless, there still is more of an incentive for men to try to keep the marriage together. That's not, that doesn't explain the fact that, that, you know, women initiate 70 to 80% of divorces. That's not explained entirely by the family court incentive. I I think that it's a piece of the puzzle, but what Mm -hmm. a prenup does is it gives the the woman the opportunity to say, you know what, you've got a lot of skin in the game here. I'm going to put some skin in the game here too. I'm going to, I'm going to get this prenup. And I know there are guys out there right now screaming and prenups don't work. Well, it depends. It depends on your, your, um, your, um, what's a, a city state, what a municipality, it depends on your municipality and it depends mm-hmm. on how it's built. Now, if you cheap out and you write it on a yellow legal pad, that's, that's worthless. But 
lawyers have told me, I'm not a lawyer, but lawyers have told me that if you do two things, if you, number one, you don't do it the day before the wedding, you do it before the wedding plans start so that nobody can say they were pressured. And that's not, that's not the lawyer saying, don't, don't plan the wedding. I'm saying just, just as myself, just personally, I wouldn't even begin discussing wedding plans until this thing was signed locked away hopefully we never see it again but mm-hmm. that way you know nobody can say oh i was pressured at the last minute to sign this thing so you take that away and number two you each have your own counsel review it so that nobody can say i didn't know what was in this mm-hmm. and if you lawyers have told me that if you have if you meet those two two requirements and it's an a reasonable municipality like maybe not california that that prenups can actually be pretty binding. That's mm-hmm. what I've heard. I'm not like I said. I'm yeah, I've I've, I've heard lots of different experts. things too. I've had uh, I've had family attorneys on the podcast. I've had asset protection attorneys on the podcast. There's lots of different takes on on it. Uh, the big thing that I've I've learned from it is that typically it only protects your assets going into a marriage. It doesn't you know it mm-hmm. doesn't really protect things like alimony um, you know or or splitting of assets that you acquired during the during the the uh, you know marriage or whatever but no matter what one thing that i really like about the idea of a prenup if you do decide that you want to get the government involved in your relationships Mm -hmm. is it's a great shit test for women right it's like hey hey okay if you really love me if you really want this then this is these these are my stipulations and um you know i think a woman that's really invested in you won't scoff at it but a woman that a woman that's not that invested in you she'll scoff at it and make a bunch that right there should tell you everything you need to know about whether you should proceed with getting married or not you know exactly yeah and that's essentially the argument i'm making there regardless of whether or not a prenup works um, and, and you shouldn't sign, I mean, you shouldn't get married in a place where a prenup doesn't work, you know, mm-hmm. go somewhere else or, or don't get married. But if, if her response is to a prenup is, well, if you loved me, you wouldn't ask me to sign this. Well, the answer to that is if you love me, you wouldn't want me to be the only one with skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So if she's not willing to put skin in the game, you, you're exactly right. It's an, it's an ideal shit test. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, whether it works or not after the fact, because one thing too, like a, a lot of guys don't realize is uh, the girl that you're marrying is not the same girl that you divorce. <laughs> you know, I, I had to find that out. Uh, when you're when you're getting married, you're sort of all pie in the sky in love. And when you're getting divorced, like the knives come out, you know? Yeah. And I would argue, I, I don't disagree with what you said, that, that a woman behaves very differently from the wedding, between the wedding and the divorce. But yeah. I would argue that, yeah, it is the same woman. You just didn't see her clearly. Yeah, that most of the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, that, that that goes back to us not being good pickers and just sort of going, yeah, yeah I'll fix all of our problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so I mentioned at uh, somewhere in the beginning that I have, a, I have a men's group I run. I call it the Beer Club, and some of the guys in the group have read Tactical Guide to Women, so I, so they had some questions for you. So Ed wants to know if guys should vet women differently as they age or does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, you, you go through life and you accumulate baggage. Is that what he's asking about? I, I'm not sure. He didn't really specify, but he but he's an older guy. You know, I think he's in his uh, he's in his fifties. So he's wondering if things that you might uh, filter out when you're in twenties or so, like would you filter out those same things when you're in your fifties, or 
or is it pretty much the same? Because I think, I mean, your book is pretty, pretty much spot on when it comes to uh, like the bright triad traits, for instance. Uh-huh. I think that carries over when you're 50. You still want a girl with bright triad traits. Yeah, I think I think my answer to that question would be that if you're if you're dating an older woman and she's got baggage, she's got an ex, she's got kids, she's got you know. A, whatever she's got that she's bringing into the marriage, you are then making that part of your life. So I guess the the thing that you would add is making sure that you, number one, that that stuff is all sane and not, not chaotic and not a mess, but also that you have the margin, the margin of error to then tolerate whatever um, misfortunes or might come along with a kid and an ex-husband and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. There's a lot of guys too, in the space that are like very much like anti, anti single mom. And, uh, as an older guy myself, I I found dating gals, I was dating gals pretty much, uh, you know, late twenties, you know, early to mid thirties when I was out spinning plates and stuff after my divorce. And I found that man, gals that were in their, you know, mid thirties that hadn't had kids yet, those those chicks were uh those girls had baby rabies hard and they they were really pushing for marriage and you know they were trying to stick that landing and it was like there was a lot of pressure there and i i already have kids so i'm like i don't i don't want to have kids and also i can only date every other week because i'm a single dad so uh single moms actually were more appealing to me because uh, a single mom that was on the same parenting schedule as me as long as i set that boundary like hey look you, I, I don't want you parenting my kids and, uh, you know, your kids have their dad and, you know, I'm not planning on parenting your kids. As long as that was cool. Like I thought dating single moms was great. And, but there, you know, there's, you just have to set that boundary and be clear with it, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge, it's really not to be taken lightly. That's a stupid thing to say. Of course it's not to be taken lightly, but you know, you're really affecting a kid's life. And I've met a lot of people through the course of my private practice who's, as adults, they can look back and, and recognize that their lives were changed by some stepfather. In fact, I met a lot of women who, who the stepfather came in and just changed their lives and put them on the right path. And so when I hear guys say you should never date a single mommy and they have a real hard time lying about that no matter what, well, okay, maybe that's your policy. But if you have the room in your life and, and you know, this woman and this kid really appeal to you, it, it is an opportunity to address one of the, the biggest problems in society, which is fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like I said, it's not, it's not something to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. And the way, the way I handle it with, uh, with my girl, because my girlfriend is, is a single mom and she has her kids, but she has the same parenting schedule as me. And so we sort of tend to keep our kids out of the relationship mm-hmm. as, you know, as much as possible. Every once in a while, there's a little overlap, you know? So when I, if I go over to her house and her kids are there, uh, you know, I sort of treat the kids almost like, uh, just like a good, like, you know, older friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I'm not, but I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not telling them what to do. If, if there's like, a, you know, some kind of, you know, attitude problem or, or whatever, I'm, I let her address it. Like, Hey, yeah. take care of it. Well, and if they've got a dad <laughs> in the picture, then you're in a completely different role than if they don't have a dad in the picture. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that, and that's, so that's, that's worked for me. And so that's what I tell guys, especially older guys, you know, cause I'm like, man, if you are limiting yourself to women that have never had kids, uh, man, like when I was, when I was going out on these dates with some of these, sometimes I go on dates with, with gals in their late thirties that have never had kids. 
like it makes me wonder like what's what was wrong with you <laughs> like what, what what was so uh why couldn't you lock down a man when you were younger you know like were you were you some kind of you know you know boss lady that you know just didn't need no man and now all of a sudden you want a man and uh it, to me it's just it's just sort of that was a red flag you know an yeah. older lady that didn't have kids but yeah um, and that, that always kind of breaks my heart because you, you meet so many people that so many women that get into the late 30s and now suddenly they're desperate for a wife and family and i think part of that is um women are not girls are not given the message that there are trade-offs in life that yeah <laughs> you, you can do whatever you want that was the message of barbie i took my my wife and daughter to see barbie this weekend because i was kind of oh you saw it I did. Yeah. And that was a message of Barbie. You can be whatever you want, which is true, but you can't be everything all at once. You got to make some decisions. And if you're going to go out and be an astronaut or a surgeon and all the things that Barbie does, then you're making some trade-offs and 35 is right around the corner. And then 40 <laughs> is, is 10 minutes after that. And then the window's closed, you know? So yeah, I, I wish that we were more honest with girls about the fact that you got to make some decisions in life because you can't have it all. Right. Yeah, you could either you can have a career or you can have a family, but rarely can you have both and have it have it both be perfect, you know. Yeah, and particularly for women, that they're in a tougher yeah. position than we are, and that's that's unfortunate, but that's the, the reality. That's that's nature. I we didn't invent that. Like it's not <laughs> not our fault. We didn't create that. Um, okay, and then uh, we have Ryan. He wants to know what your top red flags are. Do you have top red flags, or I don't really tend to think in terms of red flags. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in what works than what doesn't work because what doesn't work is usually pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, I know I take that back. It's not, it wasn't obvious to me when I was a younger man and it's not yeah. obvious to guys that are starting out, but no, I, I don't have a top red flag. Yeah. That's what, and that's what I told him when he answered that question. I go, you know, I go there, the red flags are absolutely subjective, but I'll ask him. I'll ask him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Where can people find you online? Um, they can go to ironshrink.com. My only social media is Twitter. I'm at ironshrink on Twitter. All right. Well, I'll link to both of those in the description. Uh, you, you said you were writing a, a, a book. Do you have a book coming out? I do. September 1st is coming out, and it's, it's a follow-up to the Tactical Guide to Women. It's called Gatekeeper. And it addresses this fact that it addresses this thing we were talking about earlier where we are not selective enough. Um, and so this is whereas Gatekeeper or sorry, Tactical Guide to Women talks about, OK, here's some bare minimum qualities for women in your life. Gatekeeper is more about, OK, let's look at what the relationship is bringing into your life and, and what makes for a successful relationship. Got it. OK, so that's why that's why on Twitter, on your the top of your thing, you have a September 1st up there. I do. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what is that? What does that mean? So you got, so you're, so a gatekeeper comes out September 1st. Yeah. That's perfect. Cause I think by the time this episode drops it, the book might already be out guys. Cause there's a space time continuum here with the recordings. Yeah. <laughs> so check it out. It's probably on Amazon. It is. Yeah. The, the paperbacks on Amazon now and the Kindle and audiobook will be out soon. Okay. Before, before the first. Okay. So yeah, by the time this drops, it's probably already out. So check it out on Amazon. If it is already out, I'll link to that in the description as well. All right, Sean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey man, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime. Let's do it again. Sean, thank you so much for joining me. What a great conversation. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, the people watching know what that means. <laughs> it means you really are welcome back anytime. Uh,
man, I learned so much from your book. I can't recommend it enough. I'll probably talk about it forever. I'd love to have you back on the show sometime. I just did a, at the time of the recording of this outro, I did a live stream on hypergamy and I mentioned you in it because I saw a post where you said that, you know, hypergamy is only one selection factor and trying to navigate a relationship based on hypergamy alone is like driving a car using only your turn signal, which I thought was funny. I'd love to have you back on the podcast to talk about that. Um, that episode was on, uh, there was a guy named Mac and Murphy who has statistics saying that, uh, you know, the, the, the data points don't show that hypergamy really ha makes any difference or whatever in, in women's selection factors, uh, which I disagree with, but I, I think it really comes down to uh, the definition of hypergamy, which one you're going with, right? Because if you go with Google's definition of hypergamy, it's different than the red pills definition. Right. Because the, the red pills definition is, you know, it's dualistic alpha, alpha seed, beta need. And the other one is like women only marry and date up. Right. So I could see if it's if you're looking at it from uh, women only marry and date up. Yeah. Then then this other factors like why women date losers and stuff uh, sort of doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive with that. But if you look at the, you know, the definition for the red pill space of alpha seed, beta need, it all makes sense. So which is it, right? Which is it? I can understand that. I'd love to have that conversation with you. You're a smart guy. Uh, love your book. Can't recommend it enough. Guys, that's all I have this week. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you haven't done so already, drop a comment, your favorite emoji. Anything below helps boost us in the algorithm. Follow me on social media. media. The links are in the description. Um, if you guys did send super chats during this episode, I'll take a screenshot of it and, and give you a shout out on social media. It's not too late. We're still, we're still streaming. <laughs> Send those super chats and then uh, get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com, get your 20 dating app openers, PDF, and then I'll send you some stickers for free. If you guys like those designs, they're available as merch, you know, hoodies, coffee mugs, t-shirts, that sort of thing. Even backpacks. We have rule zero backpacks. I got a rule zero backpack for my son for his, uh, his, uh, he started high school this year. He's got a rule zero backpack. He's probably, he's walking around with it. Kids have no idea what it means. That's fine. <laughs> I I told him if, if any of the kids ask him what it means, I, I'll say, tell him, tell them that's the origin of where Andrew Tate got all of his stuff. He got all of his stuff from the rule zero guys, right? So, because they all know who Andrew Tate is. Um, all right. So yeah, get on the email list. Check out the Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. Once you get your mind right, everything else falls into place. Check that out. Join the beer club, beer.comeonmanpod.com. It's a good group of guys. We're, the next meetup is September 28th. We've, we've had three, uh, three of these events already. Great turnouts. It's a lot of fun. Just guys talking about guy stuff, right? The last one went for like an hour and a half. You don't have to stay for the full hour and a half. Okay. You're not obligated. Just pop in for five minutes. If that's all, you know, all the time you can spare, just pop in, say hello, have a drink, then bounce. It's okay. There's no rules. There's no rules. No rules in beer club, except for no whamming, no whamming in the beer club. Uh, coaching's available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. Also, you can sponsor a video. If you guys follow me on social media, you might notice on Mondays and Tuesdays, I've been posting videos where guys have, you know, they DM me questions. Well, they're sponsoring those posts. They're sponsoring. And I say it, you know, a guy DM me, blah, blah, blah. 
and I explain their situation. You can do that too. If you just have a single question that you want me to answer in a video, you can sponsor one of those at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. That's all I have this episode. We'll see you guys Wednesday for the live stream. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.